Meadow Sweet Apiary, Steve Rapaski. We love this guy. He's in the saddle flying solo today. And I said, how is things going, Steve? And he said, busy. And we're going to talk about one of the reasons, those pesky yellow jackets in just a moment. But what we want to do right now, if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you're going to win that gift certificate to Sorgles out in Wexford. Randy and company, so grateful and so generous that they give us that every week. So the 10th caller wins it at 412 922 1020, we've got that Janoski's gift certificate to give away in 30 minutes. Now, Doug is actually enjoying some time on the lake today doing some fishing. So he has got the full hour off, and we're so happy to have Steve here. So, Steve, great to see you. Um, tell him a little bit about what you do with Meadow Sweet Apiaries and, of course, bee control. And then we're going to jump into Yellow Jackets, which have been jumping into the lives of too many people of late. And that's why you have been the man, the myth, the legend to the rescue. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Rob. Yeah, it's been a busy year. Um, you know, uh, through Bee Control Pittsburgh, obviously we uh, we do the pest control aspect of things and handling the the wasp and hornets and yellow jackets and all the the mean nasty so to speak. And then the flip side is that the sweet side uh, is is the honeys uh, the honey that we do with our honeybees and we keep about 150 colonies at the Pittsburgh International Airport and several more up the 79 corridor. And uh, between those two things, boy, we're we're hopping. Yeah, you are hopping. Look, uh, what is it with these yellow jackets? From story after story after story. It is an unbelievable year this year, Rob. I don't know. I mean, I have my theories. Um, you know, two two and three years ago, we had some of the the lowest populations of yellow jackets that I can remember, and they were right around, but nothing major. Uh, this year, they have just gone through the roof, and uh, partly is you know that all insects have a cyclic population cycle you know, right. low years high years everything else uh, this year it's i've never seen it this bad the last time i remember it being remotely this bad was back in 2009 uh but this just seems to break the record books for whatever reason and and part of that is the the weather um you know back in the spring we didn't get those long cold springs that we've had in the last couple of years we also didn't get our late may frost that sometimes will knock off some of the early queens that are nesting and I think just a, it was the stars and moons aligned, and we are seeing yellow jackets after yellow jacket. I mean, we're averaging 50, 60, 70 phone calls a day to our bee control business, and uh, we're we're booking four, five, six, eight days out at times, and I, my mind is spinning. It's just unbelievable uh, this year. Uh, we kind of got into the topic a little bit last week. Dick Till was here. He was talking about a yellow jacket experience while cutting his grass. Yeah. Doug was talking about having <laughs> to take a plunge because of just being swarmed by these things. And we got talking about, you know, how do you know if you are um, allergic or not? And sometimes it only happens once you've gotten stung. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be a smart thing to do when it comes to bee stings and wasps and hornets and yellow jackets? And I don't know if they all fall in the same category. But to know that you are at risk before you actually get, uh, you know, a number of them, you know, hanging on and doing some deadly harm. Is there a way you can find out? before you're out there in the yard working or that possibility of being con- confronted by some of these uh, yellow jackets and other pests that you have an issue and you should be uh, carrying the proper medicine to keep yourself safe in case it does happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly talking to your primary care physician, getting uh, going to see an allergist. They could do an allergy test like they do for foods and everything else. Um, they test for five, what they call them the big five, you know, yellow jackets, wasp, hornets, honeybees, and I think European hornets are the five that they test for. And, and really that tells you a certain level of, of reaction that you may have. Um, but everybody reacts differently. You know, some people 
to a mosquito bite get really puffy and itchy. Mm-hmm. Others, mosquitoes don't bother them at all. And the same thing happens with, with these stinging insects. Uh, and, and really, it's not so much, I mean, certainly knowing helps because if you need to carry an EpiPen or whatever. Um, but given that we're in an outdoor environment, you always have to be prepared no matter what, right? And understand right. What, what can happen if this happens, if you get stung. Uh, and, and the big part of it is just being observant, you know, knowing if you're out there weeding the garden or mowing the grass is, is not just going out and we're, we live hectic lifestyles you know we jump on the lawnmower and we go instead of okay let me walk around the yard let's see where th- certain things are and, and the other aspect of that is the so, so, the social behavior right as humans where uh we turn t- tend to lump everything into one term like right. if it stings it's a bee and they're not all bees there's yellow jackets and wasps and the same thing with allergic you know every customer that calls me uh or almost every customer will say well i'm allergic well I'm allergic to dog bites too, to a certain extent, right? We all have a different reaction. It's that level of reaction of, do you just get redness and swelling and it hurts, which is typical, or are you that 1% of the population that can go in and into anaphylactic shock and you actually need medical attention? And all that whole range is important to us. You know, we want to protect our, our customers from those types of reactions. Let's get into the mind of some of these pests and uh, yellow jackets in particular. And I know it's hard because we just think of them as deadly and criminal and with intent to hurt. But there's a thought process to everything, is there not? It's mother nature. Right. right? There, there's a reason for everything. You know, it's, it, as much as we hate picking up leaves in the fall, there's a reason those leaves fall and, and the reason they decompose and whatnot. But, yeah, with the, when it comes to stinging insects, you know, each one has their own little niche. You know, honeybees we know about because of the honey that they produce and that we consume, and they're fabulous pollinators. Same with the bumblebees that are out there. But when you get into the flip side of the other stinging insects, the ones that we often run into are the, the ones that are aggressive. And we always talk about being aggressive versus defensive. Honeybees are defensive. If you knock on their hive and you kick it over, they're going to be defensive of their colony. Yellow jackets, wasp hornets tend to be more aggressive because they're actually predators. So they're feeding, they're not pollinators, they're feeding on other insects. Mm-hmm. So the, their tendency is to be a little bit uh, more aggressive, which is why you have to be careful when I always joke that, you know, yellow jackets, if you just look at them funny, they'll come after you and get you. You know, it doesn't take much, a little bit of vibration of opening a door, a lawnmower driving by, and you're going to get it. Well, and, and also, they also kind of keep the population down and things under control, too. Well, and that's just it. They're predators. So, right, there's, you know, you know when Jess Walliser was here, you know, good bugs, good bug, bad bug, right. you know, and, and even though we see them as bad bugs, they really are good bugs because they're um, taking care of certain things. There's a species of wasp out there called a mud dauber that feeds on spiders. And I hate spiders. <laughs> that's really? I, I am, I get the, I get the chills. Just, heebie-jeebies. I get the heebie-jeebies. That's right. And, um, but there's, those species of wasp are, are specialists. They feed on, on spiders and they bring them back to their, their nest and they feed their young on certain spiders. Yellow jackets feed on various caterpillars, some of them which are in your garden, you know, damaging your, your cabbage and tomatoes and stuff like that. So they do have a benefit. It's just a, a gray area that we have to walk when we come in contact with. Listen, we're really happy and so honored to have Steve here today. And this gives you a chance to really lock in and talk about if you're dealing with some of these issues in your lawn and you're wondering what's the best way to go about it. Good, bad, indifferent. These things are going to be a part of your life for the entire time that you have that living space outdoors. So if you need help, give us a call. Talking about yellow jackets, how to get rid of them, and what do they actually serve as far as that purpose. We kind of hit on some of that. Our number is 866 391 1020. 
866-391-1020. Um, before we come back and talk about pollinators, are they in decline and are there any success stories out there? When you see what's been happening this very strange year, noticing anything else a little strange that you haven't seen in recent years? Well, you know, we talked earlier this year when I was here about the lack of bumblebees. Yeah. Uh, and surprisingly, they, they're everywhere now. I mean, nice. it was it was interesting because we were seeing, I think what we saw was the delayed nesting. Um, it was just odd. We were concerned that there wasn't a lot of nesting going on this year. And they've rebounded with a vengeance. And I've get, gotten a lot of – so that's that's a success story. And, and, you know, something that really threw me off this year is why, you know, we weren't seeing bumblebees. But they're there. Yeah. Why so many people getting into becoming beekeepers? I mean, I notice people that I've known for life. I mean, you'll drive by their homestead and you're like, oh, and because of you and Doug, I know what I'm looking at now. And right. I'm like, what made them do that? Why are so many people getting into this? Yeah, thing? it's, you know, it's a connection with your past, for one. I mean, a lot of beekeepers now um, had grandparents or grandfathers or great-grandfathers, their uncle, somebody in their family had bees at one point. Um, fast forward to the pandemic, you know, and everything else. It's that uh, the slow, slow food movement. You know, where's our food coming from? It's it's knowing that you have pollinate. You're you're helping the bees. You're protecting pollinators. You're pollinating your own garden. Um, and there's the romantic side of it as well. You know, yeah. there's something fascinating about that. Absolutely. So be a keeper, something you're doing, something you've thought about doing. You're dealing with some yellow jackets and hornets and wasps and nests and knowing what you need to do, you should be calling this guy. But more importantly, all of these things that are dealing with you on the outside of your home, especially those pollinators, we're going to talk about it. So what you need to do is to call us right now. All of our lines are open, 866-391-1020. Doug is off today, but he's got some busy days ahead. He's going to be at the fall Home show at the convention center coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 1 p.m., doing a different gardening talk each day. And he'll be at the farm-to-table by local area. He's got free Janoski's garlic, yay, for planting while supplies last, and perpetual spinach seeds for everyone as well. So get on the line. Steve Rapaski is here. That's the buzz for today's show, 866-391-1020. All right, so get these calls in for Steve Rapaski right now. We're talking yellow jackets, hornets, wasps, those things you just want to not run into. But if you do, what you need to do. Beekeepers, if it's something you're thinking about, something you've been doing, we want to hear from you. And pollinators, we're going to get to those in a moment, how sweet it is. So last night I drive out to Vallant, Pennsylvania, Steve, <laughs> which I first really heard of when the Janoski family put that little mill wine room in the back of the farm market. You know, that's where, in fact, I'm driving out there and I'm like, I finally made it to Vallant, Pennsylvania. But, you know, just going through Portersville and Doug and you and Jessica back in the day have really made me learn to appreciate the great outdoors. Not that I never did before, but it was such a pleasant one hour drive from my home in Manaka. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these garden centers and people selling, you know, stuff on the side of the road and just fields galore and just beauty and wildlife. Yeah. You know, this is a really neat place, Western Pennsylvania. It, it's fascinating. I mean, me driving around with my company and, and the pest control, I get to visit, you know, all the way up, you know, north of Butler, down the green, you know, Washington. And it is. I mean, we've got little pockets of Volant as a perfect example. Ooh. I mean, what a great little town. It is. I mean, I've driven by, I think I've actually stopped twice, but... You know, every time I drive through, I'm like, I need to come back. I mean, it, well, you it, could it, sell your honey in all these places. Well, you know, the beauty of it is we have so many beekeepers in Pennsylvania. You could find honey in every one every of those one places. Of those, really, absolutely, and and that's that's so great because you have. You're, you're supporting local. You're supporting the small beekeeper, and you can get a taste of that locality. 
you know, little one-pounds are right there. One of so. the best-kept secrets, too, Zillianopa, and I've always loved Zillianopa, but I was through Zillianopa for the first time in years. What a nice little com- community. A lot of activity last night, sure. people out shopping, eating. You know, it was past 8, 9 o'clock at night, and the, the town was, no pun intended, buzzing. But it just is really cool to see western pennsylvania in some places that i normally don't get to and realizing there's a big world out there and we have we have farmers markets in almost every one of those communities all of them i mean i sell my honey at this weekly farmers market and what a great event i mean people come from community and the community and the people and i mean yeah we can go on and on about that (laughs) well i had to get a little love in those for those farmers and that's what sonny janowski taught me back in the day and i always make sure that i take a little time to salute those farmers okay barbara out there in another great community cheswick has a question for steve rapaski welcome to kdk the organic gardener how are you barbara i'm doing well thank you how are you wonderful what's your question for steve i have a um bee house for mason bees and I've been reading online that I should be doing some maintenance over the winter by taking them out, uh, storing them, um, you know, cleaning them. Is that really a necessary step, or should I just let Mother Nature take its course? And if you do recommend it, could you, you know, kind of go over what I should be doing? Sure, that's great. And, and first off, that's awesome that you're having a, a mason bee house. I wish every, every one of our listeners can have a little mason bee house on the side of their, their house or their shed or the garage. Uh, we need to protect and, and support those little native pollinators that are out there. Um, there's a couple of different ways you can go about doing that. I mean, certainly it all depends on the bee house that you have. Um, some of them have tubes uh, that the mason bees and the leafcutter bees lay their eggs in. Um, this time of year, the cocoons have the young bees that are in them, and they go into a, sus- a sus- suspended state over the winter, and then they will hatch out in the springtime. So those tubes, if you have them in tubes, you can certainly take them and, and uh, wrap them loosely in paper towels and put them in your refrigerator, keep them at a, a solid, steady temperature, um, and then bring them out in March and place them outside as the temperatures warm up. Uh, but sometimes if it's a, a type of house that you don't can't remove tubes, letting much Mother Nature take care of it is just fine. And then every few years you might have to clean out those openings and uh, maybe run, you know, clean them. There's some special solutions you could buy to clean out those openings to um, protect them from bacteria and things along those lines. So you can't go wrong either way. Mother Nature has a way of, of taking care of itself without human interve- intervention. Okay, great. All right. Thank you for the call. So, you know, you're watching a great sporting event, Steve, and you think, you know, well, I can go out there and hit that golf ball like Jack Nicholas, or, you know, I can run like Ronaldo Nehemiah, the great track star from University of Pittsburgh. I see these Instagram and YouTube videos. It's like the knucklehead video of the night where you have these young people who are holding a shovel or a baseball bat, and they go out and just swat the biggest hornet's nest, and they think they can outrun these things. Yeah. They have wings. <laughs> you don't. And they end up just getting bowled over. It's like MTV's Ridiculous, which I watch all the time. Absolutely love it. I, what is wrong with people thinking that, you know, you've got a massive swarm of some really thugs that are just out to cause you bodily harm and they just want to stir things up. They think they can outrun these things. I, I'm trying not to laugh because the number of times I could tell you that people have tried this, that, the other thing. And there's certain things in life that you just need to let the professionals do it. Um, yeah. It, it's it, from a safety standpoint, a health safety, you know, a health standpoint, you know, this isn't changing your brakes on your father's car anymore. This is, you know, your health can be in jeopardy. Um, and it. It, not that it's a, a special training, but it, you need to understand the biology of the insect, what they're capable of. I mean, it doesn't 
take long, you know, many stings to to potentially put your health in danger. So, but yeah, we, you know, smacking them with a baseball bat, um, bat is not a good thing for sure. We hear the old wives tales of, well, take care of it at night. They sleep and they won't fly. <laughs> Well, they do not sleep, and they certainly fly at night. So, you know, these are types of things that we have to take into consideration and talk about. And certainly, you know, we we try to educate our, our consumers prior to them calling us um, on what not to do. And, and some of the big things is don't spray them because if you spray insects, depending on where they're at, um, especially with yellow jackets, if they're in a house, you're going to drive them deeper into the wall potentially into your living space. And the last thing you want is to wake up with 100 yellow jackets flying around your room. Um, you know, don't close up those openings on the outside because uh, there's that's there's a flow, an ebb of flow of insect activity. If you shut down that route, well, it's kind of like the squirrel hole tunnels, right? If you mm-hmm. have an accident in the squirrel hole tunnels, where's all that, that traffic go? It just builds up right. and it has to go somewhere. So it filters into the communities. Well, with yellow jackets, if you close up that opening on the outside, where they're going to go? They're going to go into your bedroom, your living room, your kitchen, your dining room. And then you're going to call me in a panic because you did something you shouldn't have done. So uh, there's a lot of things to not do. And that probably the easiest thing to say is to call the professionals. And and he is the professional. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so certainly B Control of Pittsburgh, set, uh, 412-765-0335. We're at bcontrolpittsburgh.com. You can reach us out that way. Um, we offer emergency services, but typically, you know, n- normal business hours during the day, give me a call, leave me a voicemail. We're extremely busy, uh, but we'll certainly take care of you. Now, listen, Joanne, I know you and others want to talk to Steve, but I've got about a minute before the break, so just stay put. We'll get to you. Anybody that has a question about what we're talking about today, this is your opportunity to talk to Doug's expert. Doug always is uh, the first to say, let's get a hold of Steve Rapaski when we're talking about these type of topics. And we are going to get back to some of the pollinators and some of the success stories and what he is seeing, as he alluded to earlier. Things are obviously getting better, and that's a wonderful thing. So if you have a question for Steve, I highly urge you to get on the phones now, 866 391 Steve will be with us right up to the top of the hour. Doug is enjoying a day on the lake fishing, but he'll be back uh, in the air chair next week. And don't forget, you can always learn more about what he does every day by going to DougOster.com. And don't forget, absolutely love the wonderful uh, Home and Garden Show each and every spring. But the cool thing is, it's back for a command performance, the Fall Home and Garden Show, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Doug's going to be there at one, the beautiful David L. Lawrence Convention Center, doing a different gardening talk each day. And he is at the farm-to-table by local area. He's got free Janoski's garlic for planting. That's awesome. While supplies last and perpetual spinach seeds uh, for everyone. Very quickly, 15 seconds. If a yellow jacket was big as you and I, would any of us have a chance? Could you imagine that? I'm more concerned about the thousands that are in the nest I have to take How many usually are in there? This time of year, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,500, depending on the size of the nest the word swarm does it ring a bell we'll be back stay with us joanne we're going to get to you in a moment anybody else 866-391-1020 steve rapaski today for doug oster on kdka so mr rapaski you think we need to do a show on uh, the coons cooking our about honey recipes huh honey is everything in your cookies candy. cookies candies cakes even grilling shrimp pork now i'm hungry but yeah how do I get this uh, sweet apiaries, this meadow sweet apiaries? How do I get that? Honey? We we sell it every Saturday at the Swickley Farmer's Market, which is right there in the parking lot of St. James Roman Catholic Church from 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. Or 1 a.m. Yeah, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So that's where they have it. That's a great location. It's an awesome location. And it goes all the way, unlike some of the other markets, it goes all the way until the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So all the way into November. They take a short break and then they come right back in uh, December once a week, once a month 
December, January, February, March, they do the winter market from 9.30 to 12.30. And you get about, like right now, there's probably 50 or 50 vendors, I think, that are there to market. Awesome. And we get about 20 that show up for the winter market. All right. Listen, speaking of great things, Pumpkinland begins uh, every Saturday and Sunday in October, the Janoski family getting revved up. And I was telling Steve during the break, you know, Sonny Janoski was such a visionary. And now, you know, Mike, Patty, all of the sons, Tom, Steve, that entire family and all the workers, they continue these great things. And of course, his beloved Joanne, uh, it's the best time of the year to get out to the farm. And right now we're going to give you an opportunity to get a $25 gift certificate if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. And speaking of Janoski's, don't forget, Doug's going to be at the fall Home show at the convention center, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 1 p.m., doing a different gardening talk each day. He's at the farm-to-table by local area. He's got free Janoski garlic for planting while supplies last and perpetual spinach seeds for everyone. All right, let's uh, say hello to um, Joanne in Plum. She's got a question about an acorn tool for Steve Rapaski. What's that all about? Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Um, I don't have a question um, I was relating back to last week's show, and I couldn't get on, but I wanted to send this out to people to help them. There's a fantastic tool ca- called the Garden Weasel. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and go. it's absolutely so much fun to pick up acorns. Like, the next day you'll be looking for the acorns so you can go out <laughs> in the yard and have fun. See what Doug teaches us each and every week? I appreciate the call. Yes, and you said the garden weeds. I knew exactly what you were talking about. DougOster.com for all of that stuff. You know, one of the things, going back to Jessica, and, of course, going back up time and time again with Doug and you, the whole pollinator thing, and there was a big concern for a multiple period that they were disappearing, and then I actually started to look, and I'm not seeing them, but you're telling me earlier that there's a few success stories happening right now. So, first off, the decline and why these pollinators kind of disappeared, but some of the reasons why you think Maybe there is some good news on the horizon. Sure. Well, you know, in all pollinators, uh, we, we kind of ignored it, so to speak, um, until what was called colony collapse disorder back in 2006, which actually was first discovered in Pennsylvania in, uh, in the eastern part of the state. And that kind of raised the eyebrow to a lot of researchers, which brought in a lot of money to do more research. And, and ultimately where we stand now is we call it the four Ps, which is pests, pathogens, poor nutrition, and pesticides. And unfortunately, every year there's a different pressure from one of those four Ps. And one year might be a high pest load. Another year could be pesticides. And and ultimately, our goal is to educate the general public about these four Ps and how to deal with it. Now, certainly some of the pests and pathogens, that's up to you know researchers and beekeepers and things like that. But for the general uh, average person, you know, in the backyard, um, pesticides are a big deal. And, and we like to point our fingers at some of the farmers for using all these chemicals, but in the reality of it is that the average homeowner is the is the culprit because we can go to a large box store and pick out uh, you know whatever we want off of a shelf, and if it says to use one ounce, we'll use six ounces because more is better. Obviously, um, that's just society. So we need to educate ourselves as consumers about you know using less pesticides in general and actually even more so following the label. The label is, is the safe use. And, and if we follow labels, very little harm can be done, just like any medication you take. You know, there's there's directions for a reason. So, you know, if you think one pain pill is good, six might be better, but deadly. the consequences can be deadly. Absolutely. So we have to watch that. Now, the, the success side of it is that, you know, people are starting to become educated. You know, I still walk through a box store. In fact, I was behind an individual the other day in one of the large box stores that had a certain insecticide in his hand. 
And he was, I could see they were reading the, the back of the box. And he said to the cashier, he's like, oh, it says this. I'm just going to dump the whole container down the hole. I was like, oh, that's just not a good thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make things go faster. But uh, the success stories is, you know, like the, uh, the the young lady that called earlier about the, the bee house, the mason bee houses that people are putting up. I'm seeing more and more of those. People are starting to understand the differences between the bad bees and the good bees, so to speak. Um, we're starting to see more mini gardens showing up in terms of pollinator gardens. I turned converted my regular garden into a pollinator garden this year just because I don't have time to deal with it otherwise. Um, we're seeing those types of success, success stories and even just gardening practices. You know, we've talked about this numerous times on the show, and I was talking to Doug, Doug about it the other day, about this time of year, people are getting into fall cleanup mode, and they want to clean, you know, cut the grasses and clean up the garden and, and make it real nice and neat for next year. But to benefit the native pollinators, those are those are tasks that we could actually postpone. We could actually put off those tasks and have a good reason for it because cleaning up our garden too early takes away the wintering habitat for these some of these insects that need those hollow stems and that debris to overwinter and hibernate. And if we get rid of it too early, they don't have a is, chance of is surviving. Is this stuff that minute? Oh, it is. It's, a yep. stem to breathe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Such fascinating. That's it. That you know, you, you have these hollow stems from sunflowers or or whatever it may be, even leaf debris. You know, we clean up leaves and we don't like them. You know, leaves are great for composting into the soil into your yard but you have a lot of insects that hibernate over the winter in those leaf piles and if we clean them up too early then we reduce the chances of survival all right here's the 64 million dollar question how much is climate change going to hurt all of this do you think what's climate change i know that's the question I mean, that you know you hear that's an argument that's going to be going forever i mean certainly you could argue that we have had changes in weather patterns i mean our winters i remember as a kid are nowhere near what they are today you know no. we're, we're warm all the way up until january winter doesn't start in western pennsylvania until end of january typically um it's going to change things i mean we're seeing an increase in going back to the yellow jackets right we we have a couple of native yellow jackets here in pennsylvania one's called the eastern yellow jacket it's big it's robust back in the 70s we had um, the german yellow jackets get imported over accidentally which are real and they're real tiny and little um but even more so with the climate change if you will we're seeing the encroachment of southern species moving northward. So there's a yellow jacket called the southern yellow jacket that typically nests Virginia, South Carolina. We're seeing them here in Pennsylvania, and they're nesting here. And that's all because of the temperatures and the environments, and, and things are changing. You know, I've always believed in the greater good, and even the worst individual can turn their life around. And I believe that's the same with the insect, even though sometimes it may be a little tougher to do. But well, what would the go, go ahead? What you, you, you say that with the spotted lanternflies, a yeah. perfect example, right? It's an invasive species. People are, are kind of squishing them all over. The plus side to having them here is their secretion. When they defecate, it creates honeydew, which is a sugary substance which many of these insects are foraging on, especially the honeybees. And fortunately, we don't have it here because we have more fall foliage that produces You're a better- You're the first person that's brought this up, actually giving them a fighting chance. Yeah, well, it's that's the best, that's the plus side of spotted lanternfly. It's the only plus thing, but- you know, a, there, there is a plus side. There is a plus side. But yeah. here's the thing. So what, you know, we've all heard like the Bengal tiger, the saber-tooth tiger, they like disappear from the planet. Mm-hmm. What would happen if all the yellow jackets on the planet would disappear? I'd go out of business. <laughs> you know, they won't. They no. won't because they, they, you might lose a certain species, but another species is going to take its place. It might be a different um, type of aggressiveness. It might be a different foraging behavior. But It'll evolve. It, it, and we're evolving. Even as humans, we evolve. evolve. So, yeah, it's, it's, 
the bigger picture, we have a lot to be concerned about. Um, but, you know, you talk about the minutia of it. It goes down to just, I mean, the microorganisms in our soil. I mean, that's all we're killing those left and right. And if we don't have they're kind of the canary in the in the coal mine. Coal mine right. You know, if, if we're killing off all these little microbes and insects, we're next. Somewhere along the line, the human existence is going to be next. One thing, there are certain things in your life that you identify with, and when a yellow jacket is near your ear, you know exactly what you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. And when that streak of yellow starts by your eye, you're like trying to get to the nearest door to get back indoors as quickly as you can. Oh, yeah. From my earliest recollection, that when you hear that, you know the big fellas in town. Well, you know, it's like our, our law enforcement and our firefighters and EMS, I mean, that we're all so grateful for. They run towards the fires. We're the same way. <laughs> we're going to run towards that yellow jacket nest. You could stay behind. Bcontrol.com. Find out what he can do and do for you. A little busy right now, but he will get to you, and even he needs a day off. But don't forget, you can also find Meadowsweet Apiaries in that Swickley Farm Market, St. James Catholic Church, the big, beautiful parking lot right there in that great community as well. We'll come back. Another segment for him. If you have a question about these yellow jackets and hornets and wasps and things that are keeping you up at night, we have got the information that you need. Give us a call. Beekeepers galore, wherever you may be, you have a question for him. One more segment. All of our lines are open. That number is 866 866- Three nine one ten twenty, and of course the host with the most, Doug Oster, off today on the lake on the kayak. He'll be back with us next week, but you can always stay in touch with what he is doing at dougoster.com. All right, before we get to these calls for Steve Rapaski and today for uh, Doug, he of course be control, be control, uh, Pittsburgh.com. Is that right? Yep. Okay, and of course uh, Meadow Sweet Apiaries, of course that delicious honey selling exclusively at the uh, Swickley Farmers Market, St. John James Parish, the parking lot there. What's this Mason House? What somebody yeah. wanted to know? What is that? Yeah, Mason. So the Mason bee is a one of our native pollinators. It's a solitary insect. Um, they burrow into little holes in the in the brick. You'll see them in April and May, um, old screw holes, and then they close off their entrance of the nest with mud. Hence the name Mason bee. Um, just like a leaf cutter uses leaves to close off its its nest. So you'll often see these things called bee houses or mason bee houses, and that's specifically for those types of insects. You know, these carp, what about these carpenter bees, man? They're yeah. amazing. Yeah, mason bees, carpenter bees. Are they you know, union members? <laughs> they are union members. I thought so. Here's Jan in McKeesport. Jan, you're on the air with Steve Rapaski. Go ahead. What's your, What's on your mind? Yes, my question is for Steve. I don't know if you talked about this earlier because I just tuned in. I was watching um, this bee. I don't know if it's a wasp or a hornet's nest. It's shaped like a funnel, and uh, it's in the corner of my window, and uh, I see that they have vacated the nest. Do I need to knock this down, or should I just leave it go? Will they come back next year, or what's the deal there? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're dealing with a bald-faced hornet's nest. Um, bald like I have no hair bald. Uh, bald-faced hornet's nest, uh, they build these large gray cone-shaped nests with a large hole yeah. near the bottom. Um, they are not vacating yet. They, they may You may see a lack of activity. A lot of that is because of the temperature change right now because we're in the 60s and they're not as active. Um, next week when it gets into the 70s, you will see that they are very active. Um, they're going to be active into probably into November. So typically what we recommend, if they if it has to come down, certainly call us at Bee Control 
and uh, we'll be able to assist you with that. But if it's something that you're going to leave it alone, uh, typically the weather will knock it down on its own. It'll degrade over the course of the winter and early spring, or just wait until you know sometime in early March and you can knock it down yourself just to be safe. Um, they do not reuse those nests every year, but however, at this time of the year, the reason we encourage people to take care of it now and, and get rid of them is at this time they're producing dozens of queens, and the queens are the only ones that will survive. They go off and hibernate in a mulch bed or wherever, and then next year they come back to the same general area and start nesting again. So certainly, you know, eliminating nests like that will help minimize your ability to see nests next year. Not going to eliminate it, but uh, yeah, you got to be careful right now because even though these nests may seem like they're vacant, uh-huh. they're very active. <laughs> oh, because I can watch this in my window, you know, and uh, it's interesting how they just burrow right in. It's uh, it's uh, about the size of a uh, four by four, four inches. Mm-hmm. Like a shape, like a funnel, like I said. Can I just go uh, with a hard hose, uh, water, and just knock it down like that? If you if you just knock it down, they're going to rebuild. So again, you're going to have to wait till that. Either have us come out and deal with it, or wait till that nest is completely dead in March and then knock it down. A lot of people feel that knocking nests down will cause the, them to to leave, and all they do is just rebuild, and they're angry in the process of rebuilding. So See, you got to be very careful. I never knew that. Yeah. My dad used to always use the garden hose. I, but I thought once it's down, it would, but they come right back. They are they are tenacious. They If you knock down their nest, they are going to be rebuilding right back what again. Are, what are those things made? What is that? Is paper. That, that, it's paper, yeah. So they use, they use wood fibers that they'll harvest from mulch or trees or your picnic bench or wherever, and they mix it with their saliva. And they, just like we learned how to, to make paper, they're they're building this papery nest. And if you look at, they're very intricate. It's very fascinating. Up close, you can see all the different colors of wood fiber. How long does it take them to do that? It starts off with a single queen. She builds a nest about the size of a golf ball. Once it reaches about the size of a small cantaloupe, they can double in size every two weeks. So it doesn't take long. They don't take much time off, do they? No. Talk about hard workers. Yeah, no vacation, nothing. nothing. Listen, you're the best. Thank you, sir. Again, tell everybody how we can get a hold of you. Sure. Uh, For the pest control, you can reach me at bcontrolpittsburgh.com or 412-765-0335. For the honey and and the honeybee aspect, you can still reach me through that that number, but uh, we sell our honey every Saturday at Swickley Farmer's Market, now through the end of November and then once a month during the the winter. And we're there from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. I say my lovely wife is there. I am working. uh, She is there. That's the reason why people come. They want to see her and get the honey, right? Our sales go down when I'm there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so Weekly Farmer's Market for the honey and certainly bcontrolpittsburgh.com, 412-765-0335 for the pest control. All right, Steve, good job. News coming up next.